0: Everybody wants to be an Olympian and now if you can do sevens through the Olympics, we're gonna end up with a lot more people trying to join the sport. You know, guys that are from you know the NFL or from track and field. Like what do you think needs
1: to happen for for the game to really take off in the US? Yeah, the,
0: the speed at which the game will grow, that that'll change everything. Rugby.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Much Do About Rugby podcast, your weekly rugby podcast where we chat about everything rugby. And today we have another special guest. We have Hans from the US. Uh, How are you doing, Hans?
0: I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for having me on.
1: Thank you for joining us. So Hans is here uh, for another episode of our Rugby Around the World series, uh, where we talk to people around the world about their rugby experiences in their country uh, and today we're going to be talking uh, to Hans from America. So America is actually has the largest number of fans uh, in the world for rugby at 30 million. A little fun fact to start you off. Um, and Hans has been playing uh, rugby for a long time. I mean, Hans, do you want to speak very quickly about your uh, rugby experience so far?
0: Sure, sure. Uh started in high school. Um, you know, I was maybe a little undersized for football. I was good at wrestling. Um, rugby ended up being that like perfect medium and uh so i started playing when i was like 15 ended up going to college and you know getting a scholarship to play uh in college in the us and um you know from that point ended up playing club now and you know here we are
1: awesome, awesome. well to start us off we're gonna have a little bit of an icebreaker quiz so i hope you've been doing your uh <laughs> how you've been doing your research on uh us rugby. And the two competitors are going to be Mao and you, Hands. Uh, so big uh, big stakes. 1v1. Uh, yeah, 1v1. Don't get embarrassed, Hans. Come on, you've got to beat Mao with your rugby knowledge. Um, so the uh, how do we want to do this? We wanted to have buzzers, didn't we? Yeah, um, do a buzzer.
2: So Hans, what what do you want your buzzer noise to be?
0: Uh, you know what surprised me? I just got to figure out how I uh, do it. Well, just yeah. just
2: say it. it could be I'll I'll go for I'll go for bong. That can be my bong, bong will be mine. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. like
1: yeah. bong. Hands, I'll you go can ding. Go okay. Ding. okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So essentially there's gonna be three questions. Wait, two of them are buzzer, and one of them is who can get the nearest to? Um, so are you guys ready for your first question in the buzzer round? This is all yeah. extremely tense. <laughs> uh, yeah. So first question is. Who is the highest scoring American Sevens player?
2: Bong. Maliki. Uh, Perry Baker.
1: That's actually incorrect, Hans.
0: Uh, I'm guessing it's a guy that's played for a while. Um, is it Madison Hughes?
1: No, it's not Madison Hughes. It's actually Colin Isles. Is it Tom? <laughs> I was going to go for him, but then I was like, oh, I thought it was too, too nice Come today. on, this is poor. I was, ex- yeah. <laughs> I was expecting one of you to get it. I figured
0: the conversions, but now get seven.
1: So. Um, okay, the second one is, uh, I, I fully expect Hans to get this. Um, okay, you guys ready? Yeah. Who are the current MLR defending champions?
2: Is it, is it the Seattle one?
1: Yeah, what's the full name?
0: Oh, yeah, cool. If he I don't know do what their name is. Seattle Seawolves. Sea oh, yeah, okay, I couldn't well, remember uh, if it was uh, his legion of Seawolves, but it's yeah, Seattle Seawolves. Yeah.
1: Well, to be fair, there was no championship last year because of COVID. Mm. So you could argue yeah. there were no defending champions. <laughs> uh, I think we'll have that point, to be fair, because you didn't even know their name. So fair enough. Yeah. Uh, fair okay, enough. so for this final question, we're going to do a who's closer to it? So it's a, it's a number question. I'd like you both to submit an answer. I think you can private message me on chat, uh, on Zoom, um, and then we'll see who's closer. And this is the deciding question. So who's gonna win the USA Rugby Quiz of the Year on Dubai Rugby. <laughs> um, all right, you guys ready? So the question is, how many points did USA score in the 2020 World Rugby Seven Series? So Malachi said 2,000 points. <laughs> That's quite a little point. Is that way too many? Quite a lot. <laughs> uh, and Hans went with 888. Okay. I, so think we know I think we know he's won this one. Uh, so the actual answer was 632. Oh, so Congratulations, Hans. <laughs> you are no. the... USA uh, World Rugby <laughs> Quiz winner. Congratulations.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well done, man. Um,
1: okay, awesome. So that was just our little icebreaker icebreaker quiz. Um, and the first thing we really want to chat with you about in detail is sevens. Um, so obviously, we just finished on, on that amazing fact about the uh, 2020 series. Um, but we want to know... In your opinion, what is the one thing that has led to the rise of sevens in the USA?
0: Um, I think it's the game itself uh, as opposed to the union you know it's, it's a lot less uh, strategic and a lot more just reacting and being athletic and you know, we have plenty of that in America. Um, you know do, just do you judging they're think... yeah, going.
2: I was just, yeah, but just building on like the athleticism. Do you do you think because obviously you had a will sprint sprinters and stuff. Do you think that's been a a big impact? Like other people like more. It's just like the, the whole athletic aspect of it. Do you think it's attract that's more attractive than be like being? It's rather like rather than associating with the game of rugby itself, it's more associated with being like an athlete of of um, an athlete in sevens.
0: Um, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's um, a lot of the guys that come through. So, I, like, when I play on the Summer Sevens series, uh, you play against other, you know, big clubs that are in the, the elite, you know, category for that, uh, you know, summer tournaments. And every year you you, know, you hit uh, a couple of developmental academies that are filled with guys that, uh, you know, couldn't quite make it in the NFL and you know you're lined up and you have a, a center in front of you that's 64 240 and you know runs faster than anybody you've ever seen and <laughs> it's it's a nightmare to deal with but you know they they don't have the 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 rugby iq you know they don't know what to look for but in sevens if you can run real fast and you know you're hard to tackle it's yeah you, you'll be yeah. okay
1: yeah definitely and do you think that' like I don't know, because when we and Maliki were discussing it and I think we wanted to ask you about what types of players like Carl and Perry Baker and what kind of impact they have on Sevens in particular in the US. Like, are they sort of like heralded? Like, what is the attitude towards a national Sevens um, team? Is it very sort of everyone sort of looking at that or is it more of a community sense?
0: Um, I mean everybody likes that the U.S. Is, uh, is doing so well. I think the the players that are, you know, the, the players' favourites are like Maka and Ufe, uh, guys that, you know, have the skill and the class. Um, you know, uh, Perry Baker, obviously, I mean, the things that he does, the highlight reels are, you know, mm. unbelievable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> actually ridiculous, his highlight <laughs> reels. Yeah. <laughs> he steps out of situations that you just shouldn't. Because there's that, I remember watching like one particular try I think he's try to he literally ran the entire pitch from his own like in goal yeah, area he's stuck in the corner <laughs> yeah. with, like steps <laughs> like so They <laughs> just gassed it
2: was all out. The way. Actually that's insane. Absolutely outrageous. But like, Hans do you think the on. do you think the Olympics um the Olympic success because obviously the US they're they're literally like the top like few teams in sevens. Do you think the Olympic success has, is linked to uh or the the success that they could get with the Olympics is being linked is causing like the U S to push sevens a bit more than maybe like rugby union.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think that being an Olympian is, is something that, you know, every child in America is dreaming of basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's the same in in Britain, but um, you know, everybody wants to be an Olympian. And now if you could do sevens through the Olympics at yeah, we're gonna end up with a lot more people trying to join the sport. You know, mm. guys that are from you know the NFL or from track and field that uh, maybe they were fringe athletes there, but given their you know really unique talents and athleticism, can make an impact for the US game.
1: Mm. Yeah, because it's really interesting. Because we, I mean, we had another rugby around the world episode with China with someone from China, and they I feel like they're like similar to the US in a way but just like way further back because they're just developing their olympics program uh, mm-hmm. for sevens and we know what China are like they just absolutely go for it with the olympics um so no it's really interesting how it's sort of very much like focused and the next thing I wanted to ask was like how would one get into rugby in the US because in the UK, we have like grassroots clubs and in particular in sevens, like are there sevens hotspots in the U S like, where are the main leagues? Are they very national or statewide? Like, how does that even work?
0: Yeah. So, uh, the sevens clubs are ran through the same union clubs. So it's, uh, it's a 15th team has a sevens team in the off season that all backs basically join in. Um, and then you pull from you know college teams, guys that are still in the area. Um, the way that you kind of get into rugby, some some areas in the in the country have high school teams. Um, so who, who you are the might kind of people start... who are playing
2: rugby at high school? Because obviously uh, you've got yeah. such big competition from other sports, though, like mm-hmm. in America.
0: Yeah, so a lot of guys that um, you know just aren't doing a spring sport because if you're in a big enough high school. Typically, you only do one sport if you want to be really good at it. But then, you know, you end up with a lot of guys, especially their junior, senior year, that realize, oh, you know, I'm not going to get uh, a Division One football scholarship, you know, and so they, they try rugby. Mm. And, you know, if it's not that, then you get guys who played high school football or high school wrestling or, you know, any a number of sport, and they just want to have you know, a community and, uh, you know, kind of a, an event that they can go to each week and work on, and, you know, rugby's so, a lot of fun, so.
2: Would you say rugby is pop- popular in, in America? Or would you say it's, like, quite, like, a, a niche sport that people kind of, like, play as, like, a second-hand kind of thing?
0: Yeah, uh, if you're talking high school, it's definitely everybody's... If you're playing rugby, it's usually your second sport or third, um, mm. and then if you're... As far as like the general population, it is you know kind of uh, more on the back burner. I think it's growing, uh, but it's not football. It's not basketball. You know, yeah. it's it's not baseball. It's it's more on the level of like a lacrosse, where
1: okay the people That's who
0: cool. like it love it and they're you know they they live and breathe it. But it you know you, it's not like you know millions of people are tuning in to, to watch yeah. you know every game.
2: Yeah. Then with with a uh, college uh college rugby is that the is that still like what is it still like you get like people who mostly played at high school uh or just like like not doing so good in in American football or something and transferring over to rugby as a as a and then succeeding in that
0: um it depends what level you look at uh because you can split college rugby into some tiers um you have clubs at uh, you know the big state schools that they they don't have a funded program uh, because it's not part of their you know selected list of sports that they've had forever Uh, so those it's just guys that you know used to play football and want to have something to do Um, sometimes they play some pretty good rugby other times not not so much Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have varsity programs uh, you know that go out and find you know good high school rugby players uh, guys that have dropped out of a big football program or weren't getting a lot of playing time at a football program and then when you look at the top teams they actually supplement their rosters with a lot of foreign born players
2: okay so is that is is it do you, do is it attracting do they go abroad abroad and actually offer them scholarships to come to america or are they already like living in America, when you when you say foreign born, no, nope,
0: they they go over there and they get them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, You know, you have your recruiters go on trips to South Africa and pick out a couple schoolboys and you know bring them over, and that's that's how you get your eight man. That's how you get your fly half. Yeah. yeah. What
1: do you th- what do you personally think about that? Like as as an American, like do you think it's a like positive thing? Because I know, in I mean, in a lot of like pro leagues that kind of thing is seen as very, like, negative just in the sense of building up your own rugby. And do you think, like, the college systems are doing it out of interest for their own results rather than, like, rugby as a growing sport in the U.S.?
0: Yeah, um, so those, you know, top 10 teams in the U.S. are really the only ones that do the the foreign uh, recruitment. And it's definitely out of... A need for competition. Now, whether it's a positive or negative, I think it it brings the rugby standard up. You know, uh, like when I was a freshman, I came in and you know I was I was actually quite shit. That there's no way <laughs> around it. Uh, but I spent you know every single day we'd have practice for two hours, weights for one, and then you'd go into the gym after you know you've eaten dinner, and you work on passing for an hour or two, and every single day and th- you know two years later after working with you know the guys that were you know 20 21 22 years old that were from South Africa eventually you get to the point where you do have skills that you know you can play at the top level.
1: yeah yeah because so. I guess like the main difference would be because I like, in so in the UK for, from like our background like, you'd be given... Like, I feel like the basic skills would be very, very good. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Because, like, for us, like, we'll be passing a rugby ball at school. Mm. Like, since we're, like, super young, because it's the main sport that we play. Yeah, but then, I think like, there's,
2: a, there's a bit... In England, there's a big divide bef- between, like, uh, rugby, which is more, like, uh, grammar and, and public... and more grammar and private schools, and then soccer, or football, as we call it, is... Um, is more for is more associated with like the uh, the public schools, if that's the right mm. term, because it's I, yeah. I don't know, it's just the way it is. So you get a lot of, but you do get a lot of people playing who go to the public schools who are playing at clubs as well. But it's, it's mostly people who already go to mm. private schools. It's big in that area
1: yeah yeah i just find it interesting how like it's like the basic skill it's the skills that you're trying to really build up, like passing so much like per mm-hmm. day but like the south africans that come over are probably just like yeah whatever i've been passing ball yeah, yeah. since i could walk
0: <laughs> the uh, and there's there's definitely just like a really steep curve where you know once you have that foundation you know uh, eventually you know i'd say maybe like a year or two in passing wasn't an issue uh you know tackling not an issue but then you start to pick up the finer skills you know knowing how to read and anticipate you know when somebody's coming into space or you know if if space is opening yeah once that starts to build in that's that's really where those uh those south african players have the advantage is that you know the game isn't as fast to them they see what's happening Mm -hmm. and it takes you you know three years of a lot of, you know, hard work and dedication to get close to what they're seeing. Mm, um, yeah. You know, so, I, I think any American flanker that you see, he's not getting in on breakdowns. They're not, not until he's you know, a senior or a junior in college, that's for sure.
2: So uh, with playing, playing um, in, at college rugby yourself, how would, what would you say like the standard of rugby is actually like in terms of the, both the playing standard and also the coaching standard?
0: Mm -hmm. so the those state schools they have you know coaches that are volunteering so they might have two coaches that volunteer and they practice twice three times a week um but the varsity programs they will have you know three coaches uh a physio and you know we're practicing five times a week um those guys are on salary and you get some that are very, very good. And then sometimes it can slip through the cracks uh, because facts are the hiring managers don't really know how to identify, you know, who really knows what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. the turnover can be pretty bad too. Um, I had three different coaches in college, three different I mean, head coaches during five years. And the one that was there for three years in the middle, I'm not going to say his name, but I mean, he didn't know anything about what he was doing we would we'd be laughing the whole time and just be like well I guess this season's fucked
2: (laughs) it sounds like there's a bit of like a lack of of coaching in in America to be honest
0: Mm -hmm. yeah but the there are some the the programs that you see that win every year they have good coaches
2: okay their their coaches
0: are legitimate yeah so the we were in the same conference as a, a a college called life university, which is a private school. And they had all these great ties to South Africa and, you know, half their squad was, you know, foreign players and they were all real good. Uh, you know, their coaches had ties to the USA team and they were, you know, holding the uh, the USA like tracking camps for, you know, emerging players. Uh, those guys like, you know, life has won literally more than 50% of all the college, you know, championships in the last 20 years.
1: Really? So how does it, work? sorry, just like, just, I'm probably being completely like obnoxious, but like, what is like a varsity program? Like what, how does that actually work in the US?
0: Yeah, so you have, you know, whatever funding you have. And so you bring in the players that are good. You take local talent and you get like, every freshman class was like 20 kids. And then half of them would leave the next year because they weren't cut out for it or it was too hard or you know they just clearly weren't going to get a spot. Um, but then it whittles it down and by the end of it, you get you know, you, that 20 is down to six and they're good players by the time they're a senior. Okay. Um, with bigger programs like A Life or uh, Lindenwood, mm-hmm. those guys, they have a squad of nothing but players that actually know how to play And they have three, like, you know, they're three deep on their sides. So they have like 90 guys in the program. And those teams are, you know, like the thing about it is they have, they're better funded so they can afford that. And over the course of the season, you know, we were in their conference, we were able to beat them one off, but Mm -hmm. by the end of the season, you know, three of our better guys get injured, now there's no chance.
2: Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one one last thing like covering the college aspect of rugby is obviously the social side of it is massive for the UK. And obviously, but in America the drinking age is 21, isn't it? So <laughs>
1: this is what we really want to know. Yeah, this is actually, actually quite is. interesting. <laughs> what is
2: it actually like? Because like even like obviously it's 18 in England, but mm-hmm. obviously people are drinking much before that. Um eat with like clubs or, or their school team or whatever so what what is it like uh at college with the the 21
0: drinking age so uh if you're part of a state school you're drinking immediately you know it's a club and mm. yeah you know, those freshmen they uh they'll they'll drink till they pass out every weekend <laughs> for the first two years you know really? it's it is it's a hot mess but it, you know it's fun um, the varsity programs, um, guys that don't follow the rules will get in trouble and sometimes get kicked out of the program. It's a lot uh, more serious. Yeah, but not to, you, you, we not do to we drink. do still, you know, have a good time. Um, it's just you know there's rules like the team. If you're on the team, you only drink on a Saturday after a game, mm. and you know even if you are underage, you might still find yourself at a party and drinking and having a good time but you know there's no just you know, you, you don't let the coaches you know it's kind of don't ask don't tell that yeah, yeah. um and if you do get caught you know maybe like campus security busts you or something and then it's like the coach has no his his hands are tied you're you're suspended for 2 weeks uh, yeah. no games for 2 weeks you know that's that's just how it is
1: well.
0: Do you have big, is it big, like, party celebrations
2: after every every game then, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> Massive.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could tell you, you know, a million stories, but it's, uh, yeah, we, we'd go as hard as possible. And the, the good thing about it is, yeah. you know, the, um, the colleges that have rugby programs are private schools. And so there's a lot of uh, the people who are on campus are basically all athletes so you would just like invite you know another team so for the longest time every party that we had for like three seasons was always at the uh, the cheerleaders house and it was just the cheer team and the rugby team <laughs> that was what it was
2: that's pretty that's pretty cool actually I've been having having it like linking up the two like societies i guess mm-hmm. you could say yeah. um moving on to that emma did, was there anything else you wanted to touch on Maki no not
1: really no
0: i mean it's... Or, I
1: don't go ahead else. no just the only thing is like people in the uk they sometimes say the americans don't repost really very hard so <laughs> yeah. do, you want to, do you want to send a message out to all those people in the uk listening about that
0: yeah they're they're probably just watching the guys that are from the state schools if you play with a guy that you know was a varsity member and had to beat out you know 10 other guys to get into his position then uh you know those guys, you wouldn't say that. Because yeah. <laughs> in the UK, like, literally, even at the
1: top tier of uni rugby, university rugby, which is, like, a really, really high tier, like, even, like, the elite players are basically alcoholics. They <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, yeah>. just <laughs> get absolutely smashed every week, which is mm. quite insane. Like, most... Um, part of the culture, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, in the UK, there's there's this one guy, I don't know if you know, called um, Dom Brandt, who now yeah, plays yeah, for the Harlequins. Man. He yeah. played at university in the UK and he was absolutely huge because he basically drunk loads and was a uni student. Mm. As soon as he went to Harlequins, he lost like, like literally stones in like the first few months because yeah. he had so much uni weight from drinking so much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um, um,
2: shall we move on to MLR then? I think the yeah. first question I'm particularly interested in is, again, crossing over with uh, NFL and basketball is, there's the whole draft system in those sports, but is there a, in rugby, is there a draft kind of system yet? Or is it kind of small? Or yeah. is it more just like, cause in the UK we have academies where you get picked mm-hmm. up by the academy and then you'll work through the ranks there and then you'll get selected for the first team. But what, what how does it work in for, with the MLR?
0: Yeah. So they do have, uh, obviously um, MLR is pretty new, so they're adding stuff every year, mm. uh, but they do have, um, a a draft system where you declare your eligibility and then you know if you're good enough they've already kind of looked at your film and they have this draft now whether those guys play I don't know yeah Uh, they they almost all ended up on the developmental side for you know the MLR teams with you know a couple exceptions of guys that were really you know Quality players, and you know, ended up you know getting some looks on you know the first side. Um, so yeah, so how, most, what, most of those guys, they're they, they're probably never going to actually play in the M L
2: R. So what's the main way that the M L R teams actually like like recruit their players? I guess you could say
0: mm-hmm. uh, they pull from the top tier club for men. Uh, so, you know, non-professional, but these, you know, a lot of these guys that really take it seriously, um, some of those guys, you know, filtered through. Uh, they pull from, you know, teams that uh, are, you know, like the Uruguayan national side. I think a bunch of those guys uh, got contracts. Uh, for the Canadian teams, I know they're they're starting one in Vancouver, but they have one in Toronto. Um, the Arrows... They're basically all just the Canadian national side. You know. So I mean they I guess that's kind of like central contracting, right? That's like a thing you guys talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting.
1: Wait, so is there central contracting in the US?
0: No, but I think the Canadian sides do that. But the US sides are just, you know, get as many guys off like a developmental team from the Prem or from, you know. I, like a bunch of Irish guys show up, and then you know, supplemented with aging stars that are done. You know, they've they've already taken their you know you know money contract in France, yeah. and now they're going to come over and get another one for yeah.
1: Because you got like
2: <laughs> nonu he, nonu's over. I think Chris Robshaw he got a contract recently as well. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of um like the MLS in soccer with like mm-hmm. how you get a bit of like the players who are getting on a bit. But I don't know is that. Do you think that's a good or a bad thing if it's kind of going that way? Or would you um, prefer to see? I, like, I think it's, I think it's good, side.
0: ultimately. Um, you get, again, like you get like a guy like uh, the Beast is, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but you know who I'm talking about, the South African prop. Yeah, yeah. He signed with the Washington DC franchise. And I I basically can guarantee that he's just like the scrum coach. You know, oh, really? But he he'll play games, but he's basically there to coach and to to drum up attention oh, for fans.
2: So they're coming, they're signing him as a player, but also ho- hoping that he'll like be able to actually improve the the squads in mm-hmm. total skills as well. That's really interesting. Yeah,
0: actually. like and some of them work out and some of them don't. um New York uh, Rooney has Ben Foden, and he's he's done good things with their program. Um But then you had like. That New York team signed Bastro and I mean he was a hot mess if you watched any of the games I mean he never had any line speed on defense he never tried to make tackles anytime that he caught the ball he just like took it at a standstill and like did nothing you know he was 40 pounds overweight and they had to move him to eight man yeah, <laughs> was- do
2: you think maybe they did the these the players maybe t- take it, like, not a great, like, they come with not a great mindset, as thinking it's maybe a step down, like, because obviously it's mm-hmm. an upcoming league. They might – do you think that could affect the whole – the whole like, like the Bastro situation you just explained?
0: Definitely, definitely. I think it's a culture shock for some guys, especially the French guys, that, um, you know, they show up and maybe, you know, like, especially for, like, New York, the real estate's too expensive. They don't have good practice facilities. But I I know that you know if you go to like New Orleans, you know their practice facilities are you know the same as like any you know pro side I, I guess. Um, so it it depends on what team you go to, it depends on you know what culture you're coming from. Don't you know you can't expect to walk down the street and have everybody know your name. Yeah. it's that's just not what it is.
1: Yeah, uh, to be fair, but ba- I think Bastro always had a pretty appalling attitude. Yeah. <laughs> like, even when he played in France, he'd just like punch people and stuff. Yeah. And he's definitely definitely overweight. Um yeah. now that's inter- it's I find it interesting how like the college system just isn't really uh, isn't like the main route in like compared with other US sports, obviously we you know yeah. like NFL. It's
0: it's because the, the college system is still a little bit behind. You know, obviously, the, the high school, there's not a big enough population to bring guys in from high school and really have top tier teams. So you have to go for them. Same thing with the MLR. You could pull all the best college players, but you're going to need to get guys from overseas who have that, you know, the ability to see the game at a, a faster speed and react better. And they, they've just been playing the game for much longer at a higher level.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no. Then who, who, are, the, who are the kind of people who are watching? us rugby and mlr and like because it's obviously as Mackie said at the beginning there's a lot of fans but who who are these fans who are watching
0: it uh anybody that's uh you know a dedicated club man really i mean so if you like rugby already
2: involved in rugby themselves yeah, yeah okay
0: and i'm sure that locally there's guys that uh kind of check it out because it's a local sport and you know people have community pride in the u.s you know you like the city that you're from you know most of the time anyways um but m- the majority of games that are watched for rugby uh, in my experience people watch all the internationals if you like rugby and if if you really like rugby you'll watch you know the prem um yeah. what what
2: what leagues do you what what kind of rugby do you watch yourself
0: uh so i watch a lot of premiership games you know uh lately like i like watching the wasp i i don't it took me a while to get into it where i i didn't like the the slow low scoring games because i was used to watching super rugby but yeah now super, I, I guess so, yeah. I'm, I'm appreciating it more and more as i get into it and i learn more about like you know the different if, players and i can identify who's on the pitch you know it's, it's interesting how like the different leagues have like
2: Almost the whole league has a different like style of play. Like as you're saying, the Super Rugby. What mm. what would you describe the M L R style of play as? Would you say it's more towards the Premiership or more towards like Super
0: Rugby? Um, uh, it'd be hard to compare. Yeah. Uh, you basically have the stars that just try and run through, and most of the time they can make somebody miss. And mm. you know, so in that way, there's a lot of fast offense. You know, a lot of breaks that finish. Uh, like super rugby, but you get long stretches of the game where it, the structure is very simple, and they're just trying to get consistency down. And then it, it kind of looks like Welsh rugby almost, where it's very you know slow. I mean, not scarlet, but you know, just. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welsh rugby. Yeah.
1: Definition. Yeah. Awesome. And then what?
2: What? Um. I think we'll just wrap, we'll wrap up on this final final note. Where do you see uh, U.S. rugby in, in general going across like both MLR college sevens, everything. Where, where do you mm-hmm. think it's going in the next like, five uh, years?
0: I think in 10 years, it's going to be a lot better. Um, there's definitely a lot more effort that's being put into, you know, the coaching side and maintaining uh, the, just the quality Uh People are using analytics better, you know. Like at practices, you now have little GPS bibs that uh, make sure that you know your heart rates at a right spot and that you're you're covering enough ground, spending enough time accelerating that kind of thing. Um, coaches, I mean, every good team has like an actual structure now that you can see, and that's only going to get better. Uh, you know, mostly just using a one three three one, but you know, sometimes yeah, sometimes you get guys teams that use something a little fancier.
2: Um, yeah.
0: Well, I love, I'd love yeah, to see it,
2: more. I love to see more like American players like popping up like as like big name players in in rugby. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, I think in the Premiership we got like AJ McGinty for sale. Who else? Mm-hmm. Who else is there, Matthew?
1: Uh, well, there's been Chris. Chris Wales has been a legend of the US game. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think you, you have, uh, is it Lola Uh I think he played yeah. for Quinns. He's just like a bowling ball center. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, doesn't have the same skills. At least he doesn't use them. He just kind of runs through people. Yeah. <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I've got one, I've got one more question. Like, what do you think needs to happen for for the game to really take off in the US? Like, obviously, we're seeing like games like that. Like the like there was the Ireland versus New Zealand game in the US, and clearly, there's a lot of investment there. But what do you think mm. needs to happen for it to get to that point where it is a big sport.
0: Um, I think it'll either grow organically, uh, you know, just the way it is, and it's it's going to take time. And you know, whether they ever get to the point of competing with big nations, uh, I mean, Italy's not competing against a lot of those big nations, and they've had a a great you know team as far as like you know compared to the rest of the world, or uh, which is likely is that somebody who's really rich will invest time and money and you'll see the U.S. take off very quickly. You know, I think uh, a big thing if, you know, for college, if alumni that have a lot of money start investing and in then these big state schools can start offering money. Yeah, the, the speed at which the game will grow, that, that'll change everything.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube, follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as follow our Instagram at About Rugby!